0: We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. welcome to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Everybody get a seat and something to drink? Great. Now just sit back and enjoy the show. Uh, As always, I have lots of news to get to. So let's get right to it. Police in Texas say that a wife tried to wreck a husband's rig. Texas police say that a truck driver's wife is facing multiple charges after she allegedly attempted to crash her husband's truck during an argument. The McLennan County Sheriff's Office says that Mikalia Campbell was charged this week with attempted, and actually was last week, attempted aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and deadly conduct. Police say that they received a call about a disturbance taking place inside a moving semi-truck. They later pulled the truck over and arrested Campbell. According to records obtained by the local Fox News station, the argument began while Campbell was in the sleeper area of the semi-truck. Campbell reportedly became angry when her husband applied the brakes, causing her to spill something after she had spent the morning drinking vodka. Apparently, she was trashed. While her husband was still driving the semi, Campbell reportedly tore his shirt, then attempted to grab the steering wheel just to take them both out. The driver was able to regain control, her husband of the truck and safely pull it off the road then both of them got out of the truck police say Campbell chased her husband around the truck then went over to another semi to try to get a ride police also say that Campbell climbed on top of the hood of the semi and fell off her husband carried her back into the truck and was taking her to the hospital when police pulled the truck over because of this disturbance call they say that there was enough evidence between the torn shirt, a broken styrofoam cup, and a bottle of vodka inside the truck to indicate that the trucker's side of the story was to be believed. The Bruceville Eddy Police Department also assisted in with this disturbance call. Um, you're not supposed to be drinking inside the truck any damn way, Get goofy, you know what, trying to keep this show up a family-friendly show. And today I'm in the great town of Lebanon, Tennessee, just as a break, getting unloaded at uh, a local receiver. So if you hear a lot of banging and stuff in the background while I'm talking, they're hand unloading a bunch of pizza out of the back end of my truck. Yeah, I know, it's about lunchtime when I'm recording this and I'm making myself hungry. But in other news, Police say that a driver didn't notice slowed traffic before causing a deadly pileup on Interstate 65, and the picture they show in the article is pretty graphic. Indiana State Police say that southbound I-65 was closed after a multiple vehicle crash involving a couple of semi-trucks. This happened around 9 o'clock in the morning last week, Thursday, on southbound I-65 near Clinton County, Indiana. They report multiple crashes at mile marker 160. You could, In the article, you could see several semi-trucks and a white van piled up on the interstate. One of them was a tanker. Troopers confirmed that one person did pass away, and one other person has been airlifted from the scene. I-65 was expected to remain closed for more than several hours. Troopers were offering the following detour. And an update to this article is that... They released additional information and that the crash involved four semi-trucks, one passenger vehicle, and also the white delivery van. The driver of the van was killed in the crash. The driver of the passenger vehicle suffered serious head injuries. Indiana State Police said that the crash occurred because the driver of a southbound semi-truck, quote, didn't notice, end quote, that traffic was slowed on the interstate due to a previous crash. The interstate remained closed till after 1 p.m. on uh, on that day. In other news, a truck driver was killed when his rig plunged off the I-5 bridge in, in Oregon. Oregon State Police say that a truck driver fell to his death after crashing off of I-5 bridge early the morning of September 12th at 3.30 near the town of Rogue River in southern Oregon. Police say that 21-year-old California-based truck driver, Pablo Hirschuk, H-R-Y-Z-H-U-K was hauling a load of electronic southbound on I-5 near exit 45B when, quote, for unknown reasons, the truck drifted to the right, collided with a large section of guardrail before traveling off a bridge and coming to rest on the roadway below. The truck came to rest on the Twin Bridges Road, which is across the valley of the Rogue State Park, end quote. He passed away, the driver passed away at the scene. No other vehicles were involved and no other injuries were reported. And multiple agencies uh, reported to that location. And in other news, a woman gets five years' sentence for embezzling $800,000 from a trucking company. An Indiana woman has been sentenced for allegedly stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from her trucking company employer. 42-year-old Lucy Owens was sentenced to 57 months in prison and a year of supervised release according to a news release from the U.S. Attorney's Office North District of Indiana. Owens was also ordered to pay $820,480 $3.66 in restitution. In May of 2018, Owens was convicted on seven counts of wire fraud in connection with a five-year-long embezzlement scheme. According to authorities between 2010 and 2015, Owens took part in two different fraud schemes that diverted over $800,000 from the Hammond, Indiana-based trucking company she worked for. This is from the news release. In one scheme, Owens used her position as the company's accounts payable clerk to fraudulently pay over $460,000 in personal credit card bills from the company's bank account. In the second scheme, Owens used her position as administrator of the company's diesel fuel card program to help two individuals obtain over $330,000 in unauthorized cash advances at truck stops. One of the individuals, Kirk Stroll, S T R O H, also from Hobart, Indiana, was a truck driver for a rival trucking company. Owens helped this Kirk obtained over $290,000 in fraudulent cash advances at a truck stop in Lake Station, Indiana, in increments of $800 per day. Stroh, a co-defendant in the case, who previously pled guilty, split the proceeds with Owens. In addition to paying her personal credit card debt funds stolen from her employer, Owens used her portion of the stolen funds to pay for frequent family vacations, dining, clothing, jewelry, home improvements, and other items, end quote. The great work of the Hammond Police Department has brought this case to successful conclusion with an order of restitution and significant prison time, said the U.S. Attorney Thomas L. Kirst II. The U.S. Attorney's Office and law enforcement partners will continue to hold people accountable for their actions when they choose to take advantage of others. Well, about effing time. And... Another story is inconsistent logbook leads to a multi-million dollar cocaine discovery. There again in Indiana. Now Indiana is making the news this week. Indiana police said they arrested a truck driver and his passenger after discovering a large amount of cocaine inside the vehicle during a traffic stop. The Indiana's Indianapolis Metro Police, excuse me, say they connected a traffic stop around 9:15 on September 8th on 465 at the Kentucky Avenue exit in Indianapolis after officers observed a semi-truck driver committing a traffic violation. Just one thing—that's all. Just one thing for them to pull you over. Police say that they interviewed 57-year-old Gurinder Singh and 55-year-old Jag dev sanda and found that the information that they provided was inconsistent with their logbook entries Officers were given permission to search the truck and, quote, during the search of the contents, officers recovered 88 kilos of cocaine valued at $2.1 million, end quote. Singh and Sanda were both arrested. Police say that the truck had Ontario license plates. The Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department is asking anyone with information about the incident to call Crime Stoppers of Central Indiana. You could reach them at 317. 262 Now in other news, Kansas Turnpike rolls out a system to help truckers find parking. This week, the Kansas City Turnpike Authority, and this is as of September 13th of the writing of this article, they the authority debuted a new truck parking management system along with other several other improvements to help truckers traveling through their state. The Kansas Turnpike Authority unveiled the system on September 12th as part of National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. The system was created with partnership from the Kansas Motor Carriers Association. The truck parking management system will feature digital signage to alert truck drivers to parking availability at six rest stop locations. Drivers will also be able to go to the Kansas Turnpike website to view parking availability. The Kansas Turnpike Authority is also making some information infrastructure improvements to make life easier for truckers. They say that they are increasing vertical clearance for dozens of bridges. Quote, currently KTA has raised the minimum clearance of 42 bridges to 15.9 to accommodate larger freight loads and anticipates completion of 50 bridges by the end of the initiative. They are also increasing the length of acceleration and deceleration ramps at some toll plazas and service areas to make it easier for truck drivers to merge. Quote, KTA plans an important role in the industry. Excuse me. Let me start that again. Quote, KTA plays an important role in the industry, end quote, said Steve Hewitt, KTA chief executive officer. Quote, we serve as connector between Kansas' three biggest cities, so it's important to let our travelers know about the improvements made to enhance their experience on the Kansas Kansas Turnpike, end quote. The Kansas Turnpike Authority says that they spent more than... $27 $27 million since 2016 on 17 different projects to improve ease and safety for commercial vehicle drivers. Now, in other news, two perish in a fiery multiple vehicle crash that shut down I-12. Louisiana transportation of- officials advised that I-12 was shut down until further notice followed a deadly multiple vehicle crash, which was reopened the crash was reported around 12:30 on Friday September 13th on westbound I12 near the Springfield exit in Albany Louisiana the exact number of vehicles involved in the crash isn't yet, wasn't clear at that time, but early reports from police indicate that the pileup involved at least two semi-trucks and an unknown number of passenger vehicles. The crash resulted in a large fire and sent up heavy plumes of black smoke that were visible for miles. Police have also confirmed that at least one person died in the crash. It, isn't, it wasn't clear at that time how many were hurt. Both eastbound and westbound lanes of I-12 were reportedly closed until they cleaned it up. In an update, as of 3 p.m. that same day, Louisiana police have released additional information about the multiple vehicle crash that previously shut down both directions of I-12 near Albany. Police, police have confirmed that two people died in that crash. Their identities were not yet released, and one other person was injured. The preliminary investigation indicated that a semi-truck traveling east on I-12 crashed into an SUV. This crash sent both vehicles crashing through the median. The eastbound semi-truck then reportedly collided with a westbound truck head-on. It says Henry is the truck driver who called 911 on I-12. He says he watched another truck already on fire cross over the median and hit the truck in front of him. He was able to slow down enough to keep himself safe our thoughts and prayers go out to the two that perished in that fire and crash and next up after 20 years of planning the stark truck route officially opens the week of september 13th a new seven mile long four-lane truck route officially opened in florida the morning of friday september 13th florida transportation officials officially opened the stark truck route also known as state route 223 which is intended to cut down on traffic congestion on us 301 the 90 million dollar 7.3 mile four lane truck route will allow drivers to bypass stark and is expected to carry 25,000 vehicles per day by 2020. there are two exits along the stark truck route that provide access to state road 100 and state road 16. ground was broken on the project in the summer of 2016 Florida transportation officials say that the project has been in the works for more than two decades. The Florida Department of Transportation says that crews will continue to complete minor tasks on Stark Truck Route in the coming weeks. You can see the video of the first few trucks to use the route below. Um, You can have more information by accessing this article. That's in the show notes under at the website of juliestruckitcafe.com, click on Cafe Menu, and then scroll down to the show notes and tap on that. Now, next up, a truck driver fatally crushed by steel beams in a Florida warehouse. Florida authorities are investigating the death of a semi-truck driver who was killed while making a delivery at a warehouse on Friday morning. The fatal accident occurred around six o'clock at Clockner Metals in Pompano Beach, according to Pompano Beach Fire Rescue. The unidentified truck driver had just delivered a load of steel beams to the warehouse when this accident occurred. Pompano Beach Fire Rescue spokeswoman Sandra King said, quote, "The man got outside of his truck when a load of steel next to the truck, stacked in the warehouse, became unstable and fell on top of him, crushing him to death." Broward County Technical Rescue Team crews are using a crane to remove the beams, one at a time, to reach the deceased victim, end quote. There were no witnesses to the incident, but it was captured on surveillance video. King said that the truck driver had just arrived at the warehouse and may have been examining a tire on his truck when the incident occurred. King said, quote, it is unknown how the other stack of steel beams became unstable right at that moment. This appears to be a random freak accident, end quote. Um, The local newspaper reports that the 40-foot-long 6,832-pound beams were stacked in the warehouse in bundles of six. The fatal accident is under investigation by the local sheriff's office. And our condolences to the driver's family, from everyone here at Julius Trucking Cafe. And in other news, a trucking company owner sentenced for forcing truck, truckers to falsify safety records. Truck drivers were threatened with termination if they tried to report safety problems with their trucks. Two trucking company owners were sentenced on Monday, the 16th of September, in connection with a scheme to keep unsafe trucks on the road by telling their employees not to report the safety issues. On Monday, September 16th, married couple Leslie Cusino, 54, and Robert Cusino, Jr., 49, were each sentenced to 12 months probation and a $1,250 fine, according to a news release from the U.S. Attorney's Office of Rhode Island. The Cusino's owned Scrap Metal Hauling Trucking Company, CDE Corporation, and Windsor Hill Hauling and Recycling Corporation. Both companies were based in Rhode Island and have closed for good. A significant amount of companies' business include hauling fully loaded truckloads of scrap metal to the Port of Providence and to locations in Boston. The pair admitted to telling their truck driver employees to report, quote, no defects, quote, on the DVIR reports, under threat of termination, in spite of the fact that the drivers often knew of serious safety violations. According to authorities, these same defects were often spotted by state troopers during inspections, quote, in numerous instances. State police in Rhode Island and Massachusetts pulled over their trucks for safety inspections and issued inspection reports citing many defects, including some serious defects such as faulty brakes, end quote. The scheme reportedly went on for several years. The casinos have already pled guilty to charges related to failure to comply with DOT regs. Agencies that investigated the scheme included the U.S. DOT Office of Inspector General, FMCSA, Massachusetts State Police, and Rhode Island State Police. Now, a 79-year-old woman is arrested for striking and killing a truck driver. A woman has been arrested and charged in connection with the death of a truck driver in Connecticut in March. Police in Orange, Connecticut arrested and charged 79-year-old Ramona Rubin, with misconduct with a motor vehicle and failure to drive in a proper lane. Rubin, these charges stem from March 25th crash that claimed the life of 45-year-old truck driver Stephen Sylvester. Orange police say that the following the crash, there was a, quote, lengthy investigation by the department's accident reconstruction team, end quote. Police say that Sylvester had delivered a piece of construction equipment on westbound Route 34, also known as Derby Avenue and was standing outside of his vehicle when the crash occurred. From an Orange Police Department news release, quote, It appears that a vehicle being driven by a 79-year-old female was traveling westbound on Derby Avenue when it drifted off the right side of the roadway for unknown reason and struck a 45-year-old male who was standing in the rear of his flatbed tra- tractor trailer. Qu- Rubin's vehicle also crashed into another passenger vehicle after hitting the truck. Sylvester was taken to the hospital where he later died. Ruben was also taken to the hospital for treatment. Ruben was released from custody on a $25,000 non-surety bond. She is due back at court on September 30th. I will be looking for update on that story. And a semi-truck hauling carnival rides overturns after being hit by a car. Transportation officials in California are reporting heavy traffic delays caused by a multi-vehicle crash involving a semi-truck transporting a carnival ride. The crash was reported around 1 a.m. on Tuesday on the 605 freeway in Long Beach. Authorities say that a semi-truck was hauling a carnival ride called the Sizzler southbound on the freeway near the Willow Street exit when a Toyota Corolla struck the truck. This caused the truck to overturn and crash into a guardrail which in turn caused the engine to become dislodged from the compartment of the rig. A BMW then struck the engine that's lying in the lanes of the freeway. Both car drivers were taken to the hospital for treatment of injuries. The truck driver was uninjured. A hazmat team was brought in to clean up the spill of the fuel and the oil. All lanes of the southbound 605 freeway remained closed as of 10.30 that morning. And I'm sure they were opened up afterwards. And remember the driver-focused blitz that went on? Well, what came out of it, 46,752 citations were issued. The CVSA has released results from this year's Operation Safe Driver Week Enforcement, which was held from the 14th through the 20th of July throughout the U.S. and Canada. During that enforcement blitz, law enforcement officers were on the lookout for unsafe driving violations committed by both passenger and commercial vehicles. During Operation Safe Driver Week, police issued 46,752 citations, 87,624 warnings. This year's area of special emphasis was speeding-slash-driving to fast for conditions. Officers issued a total of 17,556 total citations to all drivers, with 16,102 citations going to passenger vehicles and 1,454 citations going to commercial vehicles. Now, let me repeat that. 16,102 citations going to passenger cars and only 1454 citations going to commercial vehicles now who's more dangerous on the highways it isn't us semi-trucks sorry legislators it isn't us and this proves it you can view the top 10 violations for both commercial vehicle drivers and passenger cars all right the top 10 counting down The 10th one is following too closely. 188 citations, 853 warnings. Number nine, improper passing. 280 citations, 723 warnings. Number eight, failure to yield the right-of-way. 297 citations, 198 warnings. Number seven, improper lane change. 352 citations, 1,226 warnings. Number six, use of a handheld phone or texting. 416 citations, 400 warnings. Number, they missed number five. Number four, inattentive, careless, and/or reckless driving. 517 citations, 484 warnings. Number three, failure to obey traffic control devices, 540 citations, 1,063 warnings. Number two, failure to wear a seatbelt, 1,794 citations, 773 warnings. Then the number one citation and warnings to top them all off was speeding. Violation of basic speed law, driving too fast for conditions. 16,102 citations, 21,001 warnings. Quote, although CVSA is an organization focused on commercial motor vehicle safety, we know that if we want to prevent crashes involving commercial motor vehicles and passenger cars, it's important that we focus on both types of vehicles and drivers, end quote. Well, you finally freaking admitted it. About damn time, said CDSA President Chief Jay Thompson with the Arkansas Highway Police. Quote, Operation Safe Driver Week is our effort to focus on driver behaviors, the leading cause of crashes. We hope that contact with law enforcement during this traffic safety initiative helps to combat dangerous driver behaviors in the future, ultimately making our roadway safer. Yeah, BS. End quote. I said the BS, not him. So now we all know as drivers, what it's like to be stuck at a shipper or a receivers and have to be wait to be loaded for hours on end. While I'm recording this show, I'm waiting for to get loaded. Especially produce coolers and paper mills. And that's why you need to be prepared with extra food in your truck. My Patriot Supply helps you stay prepared. Now, it's not what you may be thinking. My Patriot Supply is delicious emergency food. You know, they've got food kits... That are good up to 25 years that you just put in your pantry or put in your side box underneath the bunk. They come in a slimline tote and it can easily store in your food pantry or under your bunk. I can speak from experience after living through Hurricane Katrina. And for those people now dealing with devastating Hurricane Dorian and the aftermath of that. We were without power for 10 days, my mother, my son and I. If it weren't for the MREs that were flown into us, we wouldn't have had any food. Four 60-foot pine trees broke in half during that storm and landed across my driveway and landlocked me in. I couldn't get out to get any food or gas. And there was four-mile gas lines back then. Now, for a limited time, you could get a one-week food supply in a handy, neat-looking ammo can for just $39. It's breakfasts, lunches, and dinners for a week. Now, you know yourself, ladies and gents that we spend when we go into the truck stop anywhere for 20 25 bucks for one meal this is all not even 40 dollars for a whole week of food and it's delicious and it's easy to prepare you don't need a lot of cooking skills if you're afraid of cooking your truck you don't really need a lot of cooking skills to make this by patriot supply food they even offer gluten-free food for under a hundred dollars you want to know how to be able to access my Patriot Supply? It's easy. All you have to do is go to my website at julia's truckingcafe.com. That's julia's all lowercase, no apostrophe or nothing. And on the toolbar, click on Emergency Food Supply. And that's on its own tab. You just scroll down. You could click on any of the images that I have there and give you more information. You insure your car, you insure your health, and you insure your home. And what about your vision and your dental? Why not insure your food supply? Stay prepared for anything that happens. And in closing, I wanna say I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you who tune in every week to listen to the cafe. Welcome to all the new listeners to the podcast. I greatly appreciate all of you tuning in for the first time if you are new and like to check us out at someplace else besides always having to go to my website at the bottom of every podcast on the website i have a description area and there's links in there on where else you could find me like youtube channel i i excuse me iHeartRadio, apple podcast not itunes anymore it's it's apple music and apple podcasts or Spreaker, or SoundCloud, or any place with a podcast. If you're on Facebook, hey, give us a like. You know, we also have a discussion group of Julius Trucker Cafe regulars. I try to keep it clean and not a lot of bashing of companies in there. Um, and if you're going to invite people to um, also become a member on the regulars discussion group. Please send, shoot them a message, a PM a message, that they have to answer the questions if you're going to invite them. You have to answer the membership questions, and you have to adhere to my membership guidelines before you will be let in. It is a closed group. I just want to throw that out there. And on our website, I share recipes on everything that are the cafe menu. If you go to the home page i even did a little video tutorial showing you where you could find everything on the website so please make sure you check that out i know it's asking a lot but i try to give people a variety of ways to be able to listen to the show if you're a youtube listener i got a channel there if you like facebook i got a channel there i'm not saying you have to do all of them um if you like to be in a discussion group i got one there i also have a discussion board under, there again, underneath the cafe menu, that's Julia's A Cafe Happy Hour. I'm trying to get that going because you never know, Facebook may not always be there. But I will always have the Cafe Happy Hour. So we can always talk about and topics there. And you don't have to worry about me sharing your information. I'm not Facebook or Google that I'm going to be spamming you. I don't believe in that garbage. If you'd like to subscribe to our email list, some people don't like, like I have a relative that doesn't really like listening to podcasts because, you know, he runs and he's a busy guy and everything, but he likes looking at emails, like a newsletter. So I even have that option. So I like to give my my listeners different options. It's not that you have to do everything. So if you like to have... The show notes or the articles sent to you in your inbox, you like to read email, then go ahead and subscribe to my email list. That's on the bottom of every page. You go ahead and subscribe there. This way, you don't have to keep coming back to the website. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that you do. In the future, when I have new things coming out, I got big plans for in the next year or so I'm hoping it'll be January, but, I mean, you see how I'm running behind on, on the weekly shows, so I don't know. But I'm looking at uh, maybe doing something a little bit better with the YouTube channel. So, we'll see. I'm working on stuff. I got stuff in the works. That, if you're on that email list, you will know about the new things that are coming up in in, in the works. And before I forget... Please feel free to leave a comment if you like the show, don't like the show, or you want, if you're on iPhone, give me a review on, you know, the Apple podcast. You can, uh, please leave a review if you like the show or what I need to work on. I read each and every comment. I appreciate all the reviews and the feedback. Uh, If you have an idea for an upcoming show, you can email me. My email is info at juliestruckatcafe.com. If you enjoy the show and enjoy what I do and you would like to support me, in the description on the YouTube as well as the website under each podcast, I have a link to my Patreon where you could be a monthly supporter and help support my show. Otherwise, there's also a PayPal Me account For a one-time donation. Without further ado. And until next time. Please keep the shiny side up. And have a really blessed week.